All right. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Divers Podcast, the number one careers podcast on the planet. Today I'm here with Shabomi, who's a really interesting founder in the sports media space. Uh, Shabomi, do you want to give a quick intro and let everyone know a bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Shabomi. Um, I'm founder of a sports market agency called Diverse Media. Essentially, what we do is we bridge brands to the Gen Z audience, essentially through meaningful marketing campaigns and moments as well. Um, so, yeah, I've been I've been in the space for about two years now. Um, essentially, I, I kind of started in, in marketing and working within the Converse brand and then managed to go out and do do my own thing so that's been my journey so far I love that yeah I love that you just like you know dived in and, and went for it and built it yourself because you know that's what I did as well you did the smart thing by changing the the spelling of diverse to stand out a little bit more so I'm a little bit jealous of that but uh well before you do I like it what what are some examples of the types of work that you've done before and and who have you worked with as well in terms of uh, athletes yeah, so our, our main athlete that we work with right now is Alex Iwobi. He plays for Everton, but is also a Nigerian international. I've done a lot of interesting work with him, actually. He's super big with community, so we've done a lot in terms of we did a campaign with Heinz and a breakfast charity called Magic Breakfast. This was during the pandemic, actually. And it, was, it came about so randomly. So Alex is kind of known for eating egg and beans and whenever he scores the fans are like eat more eat more eat more and Hans also kind of caught wind of that as well and um, Hans and Weetabix decided to do this campaign during the pandemic when everyone was losing their mind with Weetabix and baked beans together I'm not sure if you saw that but it was it was a it was a very interesting time it went viral on Twitter and, and stuff like that and um, Hans kind of asked Alex um, what do you think about this and obviously Alex put in a group chat guys, what should I say? I'm like, let's let's play with this and see what, what happens. So it's like, I'm not too sure. He kind of sent a picture with baked beans and Weetabix, like, hmm, I'm not too sure. And then from that, we started chatting to Hines and we started chatting to the agency behind their marketing. And like, why don't we do like a competition where we get people to eat, donate and nominate? And um, just through that, we were able to kind of feed about 60,000 kids just through um, that, that campaign alone. So yeah, that's just an example of and the kind of work we've done and the type of people we worked with as well. Wow, that's incredible. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, to have, to have helped that many people, you should be really proud of that campaign, definitely. I'm an Arsenal fan, so I'm a little bit, you know, a little bit sad to see him go, but uh, it's great that he's doing big things. How did you get connected to him? Did you Have you known him before or how did that happen? Yeah, so um, I did know him before, but we weren't kind of like the closest of friends as, as we are now. But I was really good friends with his right hand, essentially, um, so, um, like you said, Alex used to be at Arsenal, Starboy, um, like a young um, upcoming player there. Um, and obviously, when you're in London, the, the phone's always kind of ringing, especially when you're playing for Arsenal as well. Um, but as he moved to Everton, um, started living in Liverpool area, um, the phone's not ringing, ringing as much. So, him and my, my really good friend were very much like, um, what can we do to kind of raise his profile so he doesn't kind of just go like just kind of lose that kind of limelight in that sense and he kind of know he kind of was was planning to do youtube and whilst, whilst i was over at converse because like alex has got a huge personality he's very like charismatic very out there in a sense um so yeah he wanted to do start kind of just vlogging and kind of showing a bit more of his life and personality 
And whilst I was at Converse, I was always trying to see what we could do with other athletes as well. And Alex was, was the main one just due to the connection I had with him. So they always knew that Shibomi is a marketing, so he's a he's a kind of marketing guy. So um, one day when when they were kind of filming or they just kind of posted something, I just I just popped up and said, "Oh, what are you guys up to?" There's like, oh, like Alex is looking to start doing YouTube. I was like, "Oh, cool." Um, they were like, "We actually wanted to get you involved. Like, let's have a call about it." So I got on the phone to them, started hearing a bit more about what they got planned, and just kind of with my experience, I very much was like, "Let me add a bit more to it." Um, and from there, um, just started kind of working together. But that was also when I just kind of started my agency as well. So just kind of took the opportunity to say, I've also got an agency here that were very much focused on marketing. Let's do some work there as well. And then from there, I managed to get him as one of our, our first clients in, in the sports space. And then just able to kind of build that case study and kind of put our name out there a bit more. So you, you shot your shot and uh, you you made it. Yeah, it looks like you yeah, did this. Yeah, you, you kind of have to, man. You have to have initiative in, in the game, essentially, and kind of take whatever opportunities are handed with you and run with it, man. Definitely, definitely love that. So, um, what what made you? Because I think it's a it's a scary journey to go on, right? Entrepreneurship, like you're leaving the safe working world and you're leaving a, a really good brand as well in in Converse. Um, what made you feel? confident that you know you could go out there in sort of a difficult you know economic period in a lot of ways and build a business from scratch but by yourself almost like what gave you that confidence do you know what I don't know if it's confusion or confusion or delusion but either way um so basically I've always kind of been entrepreneur always knew I kind of wanted my own business and um luckily I managed to get onto Converse through an opportunity that came to me and but I was on a work placement essentially only for six months. And the aim was always to kind of get that changed into a longer term role. Um, whilst I was over there, I managed to kind of. So the whole story, I managed to stretch my time essentially for a year um, because I pitched for a project. Um, essentially, I pitched for them to do like their first Black History Month in the UK. And Black History Month is in October. But my work placement was meant to end in June. So because I kind of pitched that idea in February, um, I was working towards it till June, then everything happened with George Floyd, and they were kind of like, like we, he's got a great idea, we want to really work on this, so like, let's keep him on. So I was on till October to see the campaign through, then I was able to consult till the end of the year, essentially. Um, so through that, I was already there longer um, than, I was, than, than I was supposed to. But once my time at Converse came to an end, I had such a great time there doing such impactful work, I was also kind of scared that if I go into another brand, I may not have that much of a say-so in a sense. But I kind of noticed that agencies, especially those that position themselves as like thought leaders or people that brands want to work with because they actually are doing impactful stuff. And like, I'm 26 now. I was about 23 at the time, 24. And also just in a the workplace, there's a lot of hierarchy. You're new, you're an intern. I didn't get that at Converse at all. But if I'm over on another brand, I was just very scared. So I was like, you know what? If I actually want to make the change I want to see in the world, it's best for me to kind of position myself as a agency, a thought leader, someone that people have to listen to because I'm known as a professional in, in this space. Um, so I was very much like, you know what? An agency is the best look. Um, it's the best opportunity. 
Um, I saw other agencies that Converse worked with, and I saw people that looked like me. Um, for example, PAQ was the agency that we worked with for the Converse Black History Month campaign. And just seeing like an all-black team and they're all young guys having fun as well. I was like, I could do the same. So once again, you got to see to believe it. But um, that gave me a lot of confidence. And then also, like, I was still living at my, my parents' house. Um, didn't really have much bills to pay. And also, I kind of thought I'd rather spend, like, 10 years working on my business than 10 years working at another agency, learning the game, and then, like, going out to start because... I'll have a lot more responsibilities, but also like those 10 years spent at that agency could have been 10 years spent on mine. And I'm going to learn the same things, but a lot faster because I'm very much sink or swim in that sense as well. So that's what led me to just go out and, and start and just figure out along the way. Like it was like jumping out of a plane without no parachute, but making sure I land safely in a sense. And yeah, I'm I'm the same man. I, I kind of dived in that way and, and felt the same thing in the sense of like, this is the point now where I've got the least amount of responsibilities and the most energy. So, you know, it's like you got nothing to lose and you know everything to prove to yourself, right? So yeah, it's kind of like the perfect time to to start building something. And it's so true. The learning curve as an entrepreneur is it's crazy because I think it's because you're constantly pushing. You don't think, you know, sometimes when you're in a, the corporate world, you think, okay, I've got to do this project, I've got to get it done, and then it's done. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're an entrepreneur, you think, I need to make revenue or else this business is not going to survive. Mm-hmm. So I need to make this service or this product as amazing as I possibly can with the funds that I've got mm-hmm. because the, I've got to stand out against the competitors. Then I've got to learn to sell really well. So I need to develop sales skills out of necessity. And because it's the, the necessity, it's like you're going to push yourself to really, you know, watch all the mm-hmm. YouTube videos read these books on how to sell well and really learn it. And I think that's the best way to learn, right? When you Honestly. need to, and then you apply it, you apply it, right? No, 100%. Like entrepreneurship makes you your best version of yourself. And it's so it's so interesting because there's so many things I used to say I wouldn't do. I remember, I so firstly, my, my first role straight out of uni was in business development, right? And I, I always liked marketing. So I wanted to do marketing, not biz dev. And I kind of thought marketing was business development, but it's really not. Like business development is like not the sexy part of marketing, do you know what I mean? Like I like the behind the scenes, coming up with ideas, that kind of stuff. Biz dev is picking up the phones. And I was always scared of picking up the phones or, or doing anything sales related. But as soon as it came to having my own business, like I will pick up that phone and I will make that call and I will have to sell it. Because like you said, you need to make that revenue. So it really does push you to be your best self and, all those limiting beliefs you kind of place in your head, you have to kind of outgrow them or you have to un- unlearn them just due to the fact that we are on, we are limitless in, in our capacity and our, our potential. So like, for example, me shying away from having to do calls when I was working for a company and now, and also it's easier to sell it when you believe it as well in that sense and when it's your own. So yeah, it really does push you to be your best version and you can't really make any excuses if you really want to survive. And what do you think you've um, struggled with that you've, you know, that's been really difficult for you and you've sort of doubted whether you could do it, but then you've been able to, for whatever reason, you know, overcome that challenge? Has has there been an aspect, it could be in entrepreneurship or in your career before that, anything that stands out that was like, you know, really difficult for you personally, you think? Um, Yeah, there's there's kind of always been a few struggles. Um, One of them was, kind of like public speaking um because 
I'm a self-diagnosed introvert, so um, I like to very much. But my business partner won't believe me if I say this because he's seen me. But I feel a lot of people have seen me from introvert to like extrovert or maybe ambivert in a sense. But a lot of the time I used to be very quiet. So public speaking, all those kind of things I'll shy away from. I'm not, even now, I'm still not the loudest in the room, but I can very much talk and really hold hold my own. So a lot of the times I kind of struggled in terms of like pitching or going up to people, introducing myself, used to really shy away from those kind of things. I just wasn't really like, what you would say, that confident. I just used to overthink a lot of things. But over time, like I can like like go to networking events by myself, introduce myself to anyone, even if it's like, a huge celebrity, I will walk up to them and say, hi, this is this is my name, I'm Shabomi, nice to meet you. And um, so that was one thing I really, really had to overcome. And another one, and it's still, it's still something I'm working on right now, but I'm sure you have the same issue as every entrepreneur as well, but pricing, I always struggled with pricing. And I remember um, the first time I charged my first full-figure invoice, I was so scared to send that invoice or to say that price. And like it, like it, it really wasn't a big deal at all. But I had a, another similar situation, um, like not too long ago, maybe like within the last year or so, where we were doing so much work for a client, and we kind of already agreed a price. But what the work we were doing was out of the scope. And a lot of the time, like it's like as a business, do you just want to make the client happy and then kind of take that sacrifice in that sense, or kind of like remember you're a business so you have to be paid for the extra hours you're doing so yeah I just kind of meet, spoke to my business partner like yeah like we need to we need to charge them because these are billable hours so I kind of had a conversation with him put together that email was sweating as I was typing it sent it over and they were like yeah all good with the cost so it's like a lot of the times pricing or like charging um stuff like that gets very difficult but with practice and with more confidence like when you actually understand that this is a service you're offering. Your time is worth your daily rate or your hourly rate or whatever you charge. That you shouldn't be afraid to to charge charge people, your customers or whatever. So that was that was another kind of obstacle I had to kind of overcome, and I'm probably still overcoming right now as well. Yeah, me too. I, I always get nervous even now, just sending off a quote or whatever. I'm, I'm getting nervous just thinking about it. You just email it and like close your email, so you don't want to see it in the, in the outbox, you know. <laughs> So no, I definitely, I'm definitely with you on that. And I think you always, when you first start, you end up pricing way too low and then you kind of like find your feet from there. And yeah, I've also had that like project scope creep thing happen to me yeah. as well. So yeah. you want to clearly define what you're going to do beforehand and, and get yeah. to it. But again, these are the kind of things you don't learn in certain roles. So, you know, if you do get exposed, if you start your own side hustle or start your own small business these are some of the, the benefits I think um mm. that, that you that you do get so interesting okay and and so let's have a little chat about um Converse then and how you got that role because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening and, and looking for roles you know we are at Diverse obviously help you get roles with brands that are really focused on you know diversity and inclusion and have early career opportunities so um how did that come about how did you get your role at Converse? Yeah, no. So it was actually it was actually a very interesting route because um I always knew I wanted to be in marketing, but the way I got it, it wasn't through me applying for like a for the job because there was no job board. But um 
essentially when I came out of university I was just very much open so I was just trying different things so I signed up for a um like a character building program and um, it's called 2020 Change, Shout 2020 Change, which is an amazing organization. Essentially, they help um, ethnic minorities kind of transition into the real world from university and stuff and just kind of become your best self. Um, so I did that, I applied for it and I got it. And I was doing sessions with them for about six weeks. And um, I never knew that they were actually um, like sponsored or supported by Converse because it wasn't something that was really pushed out there as much. Um, so they're a grassroots partner for Converse at the time. And um, Converse usually get their interns from, like, you have to be at certain universities, you have to be in your penultimate year, you have to do it as a gap year kind of stuff. Um, and also you kind of have to be studying certain things. And also the only roles available is Avon Sales or PR Communications. And um, this was the first time they were opening up their marketing work placement but also opening it up to a different pool of people rather than the traditional route where you had to be from those kind of categories um so they were looking to give a, a member of the 2020 change cohort a work placement for about six months um so the opportunity came we got an email every member of the cohort got an email saying apply for it i was like okay you know what let me give it my best shot nothing to lose um, so I applied for it and this was also at a time where I had left that business development job so I was just freelancing just trying to um, just doing different bits and bobs and, and marketing for smaller businesses like building websites and stuff like that so I was like cool well I've got decent experience and it's something I'm actually contributing and working towards so let me just apply for it applied for it managed to get my interview um, done the interview also had to put like a presentation together put my heart and soul into it um, and and I got a role and then like I said from my time at Converse I was thinking how could I really maximize this opportunity and stretch it out so that's very much how I got the Converse role and kind of made the most out of it as well. Love it and and those like bits and bobs you mentioned what, what was that exactly was that freelancing agency work? Yeah that? no so it, it was freelancing so essentially at university um, how I got into marketing was um, I'm very into films and series, so that's all I do after work, right? Or just in general when I have some time. So I wanted to build something at university, so I decided to start a, a review platform. So I started a, a website, created a website, kind of like a blog kind of stuff, and then started an Instagram page as well as Twitter, Twitter and all that stuff. And I started building a community online, so I was learning a lot about social media marketing. And then I started and I built the website as well. So I learned about building and designing websites. So after that, I was like, well, I've now learned a skill that I can monetize. So I started kind of building business, building websites for smaller businesses um, and then did that for smaller businesses. Then also did social media management and marketing as well for these businesses whilst I was kind of like when I didn't have a, a job, this is what I was doing during that transition period. And then I got commerce after. Nice. And, and do you think you're you obviously studied business management and economics right before yeah before getting the role at Converse to what extent do you think your degree helped you in the role did that play a factor at all in um, sort of your success over the years it didn't and um I'm glad I went to university I'm glad I, I studied and business economics was my most um tailored degree for me in, in that sense in terms of my interest and stuff like that 
Um, however, I've, I was very much taught um, surface level things. There's a lot that I can probably apply and stuff, but you're always learning. So everything that kind of applies to my business now or to the roles I had in the past was just through on the job learning, essentially. But I do not regret having those three years in university just due to the fact, like I said, I started my, my business there where I learned a lot about market and I was now it was kind of put into this. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say I had to, and also because of the way I got into marketing through that 2020 change program. I didn't have to have a degree, essentially. Um, so it wasn't something I was looked at in, in that sense. It was more um, your passion, your just like curiosity, all that kind of stuff, those kind of values that employers look for in that sense. And that's one thing I love about the creative world, because even at, when I was over at Commerce, there was people that studied history. Um, they didn't do anything market related, but they had a certain kind of passion or curiosity around humans, human interaction, storytelling that kind of stuff as well. So I also learned a lot from Mad Men as well. Um, that series, they, they do a lot, they teach you a lot about marketing, copywriting, um, building an agency, agency life back in the 70s as well. So um, yeah, just constantly learning, reading books. That's how I kind of got more qualified for those type of positions and where I'm at now. Yeah, you're definitely like a TV movie buff, right? You're, you're learning how to build your agency from Mad Men. That's crazy. Yeah, honestly, like, I, I highly recommend Mad Men. Ballers as well is a really good one as well. Ballers, that's I like, like, yeah. Sports marketing as well. There's a few, but yeah, I'm really a TV and film buff. So uh, Mad Men, Ballers, yeah, you definitely learn about business through those mediums. It's like, it's, it's, it's interesting, right? It's exciting. And Entourage as well, if you're interested in oh, like, being an Entourage. agent. I love Entourage. Entourage is one of my favourites because, yeah, it very much reminds me of like life sometimes as well. And just how, like, especially with athletes as well, they have, so many different people in the in the in the corner i'm just kind of playing different roles as well yeah i, I love entourage I, I only watched it recently but yeah i kind of binged it all the way out i really enjoyed that yeah that's a that's an easy binge uh, right there entourage um so awesome so you had the so you had a, a really good year there it sounds like a, a converse and um i guess that that taught you a lot i mean do you have any advice for you know any any young person listening out there who maybe wants a career in marketing you know it might be something you've learned from doing marketing it might be how to get in whatever you like but yeah there's a lot of people that do want roles in marketing and it feels like they can be quite competitive and and so and I also think the interesting thing with marketing is it's one of the few roles where we have exposure to it before we get into the working world we yeah. see we, we are the target customers of yeah name a brand and so I think because of that people think they know marketing they yeah. get marketing when actual but actually there's a lot to learn right it's not as easy as it looks right because yeah. I think it's, it's almost accessible in a way that makes it seem um quite straightforward but yeah have you got any advice for someone interested in a career in marketing yeah no definitely um firstly one thing I say to people all the time is um be curious so always learning about new things, be open-minded, speak to different people. So, because with, with marketing, like you said, we all have interactions with marketing, but it, marketing is expressed essentially conversation, human interaction, that kind of stuff. How do you kind of tell this story to this specific community or this audience and do it in an authentic way, but will also drive a result or, or um, a kind of call to action as well. So, Firstly, be curious, but also like start learning different things, different people. On like, for example, psychology, these these kind of things is what you can bring 
into your role. And also what I'll say as well to like people who are trying to get into market, especially young people, is to understand that brands need their insight. So one thing in Converse was I, I was very made I was very much made to feel special because I'm their target consumer. So my the head of marketing, the vice president, all of them will always ask for my insights. So don't feel as if you don't have any experience in that sense. You have what the organizations want. So always kind of pay mind to that and understand what are young people talking about, what are the issues young people are passionate about right now, or the issues young people are experiencing. So essentially, when you do get into that interview room, you can bring your level of, um, you can bring your insight, you can bring who you are as a, as a person, your background into that interview so people can know that, yeah, you're going to bring more um, to the role than just what's required of you, which is your job spec, essentially. And also just look at how you can build a specific skill because um, organisations, for example, me, especially as an employer in a sense, we want people that, obviously it's always difficult because people can't really have experience if it's their first role, but take some time out to learn a skill. There's so many things available online, especially on YouTube. I taught myself a lot of the skills I have now. So for example, copywriting, I have a I have a newsletter that I write every, I drop every Monday. And the reason why I started my newsletter was to learn copywriting and you have to learn from doing. So take the time out to learn a skill and to also have something tangible to show for it. So for example, I've been writing my newsletter for two years now and I've written a newsletter every Monday for the last two years. So if I was to apply for a job and the employer asked, have you ever shown a time where you've shown commitment or whatever, I'd be like, hey, this is my newsletter. I've been writing it for two years every Monday and I haven't missed a Monday. That kind of shows qualities to the employer that, okay, he's reliable, he's hardworking, he's committed and all these kind of things as well. So whilst you're still waiting to get an opportunity to um, apply to, to get a role or to, to interview and to show them how great you are, build things on the side so you can bring it to, to the interview or even just to your application as well, where they can see certain skills and um, qualities that is very much attracted to them as well so don't just apply for jobs also build things because we're in such a stage right now where you're able to do these things like the internet is legit your like your portal you can do so much with it so don't just wait until you get a job to start learning about marketing do it beforehand so you can show your employer that i kind of already have these qualities and i can already bring this bring these things into your organization in a sense great advice yeah 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 there's not, not really anything I can I can add to that I think I've, I've experienced that as well in terms of marketing I think you know I think people talk about marketing as a general thing but really it's kind of crazy right because it's so many there's so many different micro components you could yeah. be amazing at copywriting or you could be brilliant at video editing yeah, or exactly. content ideas like those things are in a lot of ways like completely unrelated and you yeah. know learning how to manage an Instagram page, like, you know, what captions work and staying on top of the trends. Those are all like completely different skills. So I think you're right. It's about picking one and really honing in on it. And you probably have done something similar to me. When when you sort of run a business, you identify, okay, my copywriting might not be where it needs to be. And so I'm going to do a course to do it. And I've done, you know, a couple of courses. Um, which I remember there's, um, I did Sean Puri's course. He, he has a podcast called... Um, my first million 
and I did another one with uh, Neville Medora. It's, called, it's just called Copywriting Course with two Ks. Mm. And I did both of those, and that made a huge difference to my ability. Anything that I, that involves the written word is just way better for me. So LinkedIn posts or any ads that we do or the writing on my website is just better. Like I went from being okay at, at copywriting to really good from doing that course and that just I think makes a huge difference in your ability to be a marketer so I think that's the key really isn't it identify those skills and just really getting deep into it and I think one of the best things about marketing is it does change so you can kind of come in fairly late-ish and yeah. learn and, and kind of get ahead of everyone else right yeah definitely it's, it's making yourself as attractable as attractive as possible and also coming in because also once you get in a role last thing you want is imposter syndrome honestly like a lot of the times once you get the role you're like what am I actually contributing here all these kind of things and also it naturally happens because it's your first big job out of university um you might find that there's so much going on so your manager may not have as much time to look after you you kind of just have to get stuck in and act like you've been here for five months do you know what I mean but so yeah a lot of the times imposter syndrome can kick in but once you already know that I have the skill set and this is what I'm here to do, it's like, yeah, this is what I contributed. I contributed to the final idea stage, even though I didn't come up with a campaign idea, but I added one to Penson there. And, and that kind of helps in terms of fighting imposter syndrome. Like you, you'll you still get it, but once you know that you are contributing something, you're not just there for the sake of being there and you're actually working. Because with marketing, you can kind of see like a direct response, whether like, a lot of people like it like if you get a lot of likes on instagram or you don't do you know what i mean it's quite sometimes it can be quite black and white in a sense like oh yeah this campaign did really well because these were the metrics hit so you can very much see what you're contributing towards in that sense so it's always good to have a skill to bring it into the organization because you can see very black and white what you contribute to it as well 100 totally agree and yeah, it's not not for everyone in that sense because it is so transparent. But when it hits, it's you know one of the best feelings ever. And uh, you know, in terms of your career, you want to like make notes of those those hits that you do get and yeah. put them on your CV. And that's what's going to help you in the future as well. So yeah, great advice there. I think yeah, really honing on those skills and um, yeah, take a lot of responsibility. I think you're right. A lot of people do start; they get their first role in marketing, and then they realise you know, oh, this is a lot of responsibility. My manager's always busy. I've got to do it myself. But um, I think that's the space that you grow in, right? When yeah, you exactly. when you are out of your comfort zone, and that's exactly where you want to be in your career. So uh, yeah, keep pushing if that's that's where you're at. Um, I, I kind of like to ask this question now. I wanna I wanna ask you, who do you think? And this could be someone you know. It could be a celebrity. It could be someone you follow. A podcast. I don't know. Uh, who do you think has the best job in the world? And that could be, you know, an entrepreneur who has, you know, that's their role. It could be someone you know, uh, could be yourself. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but who do you think has the best job in the world? Do you know what? That's a very good question. Um, like, firstly, I think working with footballers very much showed me it's not the best job in the world. Um, a lot of people think just because they get paid so much money it's very much worth it they get paid a lot of money but also with what comes with it it's a lot and they're, they're just human so at first I would say footballers I think my answer is anyone who is truly pursuing what they're passionate about and are able to kind of make a living out of it in a sense so 
um, that could be it. So like entrepreneurs or anyone, even in an organization, um, if you can see like a direct impact with the work you're doing and you, you wake up every day and you're very much like happy to go into work, like I feel like that is one of the best jobs in the world. Um, to answer your question though, I also feel like pilots as well, if I was to actually say a role, pilots just, I would love to see like what they see in, 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 in that sense. But also there's there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure on them as well. So it's hard. So my actual ideal answer would be anyone who wakes up and is able to do what they love for a living. And like with all the stress that comes with it, you're still happy to to do it just due to the fact that you know and you feel like you were born to do it. Yeah, well, I think you I mean you you nailed that because I feel the same way, you know, when you feel like you've really got something that you connect well with. It does it it's not that it doesn't feel like work, but it's yeah. so it's so easy to come in every day and, and keep going on it and feel like you're building something. And I also have a friend who's a pilot and he's he loves it. He's always smiling ear to ear. So that's probably a good answer as well. Uh just as we wrap up, have you got anything you want to plug? So it could be your newsletter, you know, how employers can find you, how anyone can find you. Yeah, most definitely. So, um, so yeah, like I said, I got a marketing newsletter um, for people interested in marketing. So it's shibomi.substack.com. Um, so yeah, once every every Monday, always dropping some sort of interesting stories around interested marketing campaigns or organizations and, and stuff they're doing. But also, we just dropped. So this is more for for the brands. We just finished our Gen Z social media consumption report. I'm very much talking about how Gen Z are consuming football content. Um, so for the football brands or for even just for other sports as well, just to understand what Gen Z are looking at, what they're passionate about, what they're interested in right now. We just dropped that. So um, you can find it on our website, um, diversemedia.com. Um, so yeah, that, that that took quite a lot of effort, but it was super interesting to, to get the responses and just to see what Gen Z is looking at, what they're passionate about, um, how brands can engage with them in more impactful ways, more meaningful ways as well. So yeah, that's just what we just, just finished doing as well. Could you give us like a sneak peek? Is there one one way uh, a brand listener they can think they, they can engage better with Gen Z? Yeah, um, so in a very like specific, for example, football way, um, there's the dual screen supremacy, we call it. So nowadays, that Gen Z are watching, and not just Gen Z as well, you probably do, um, we probably all do the same, but um, they're watching football as well as having their phones on their hands, in their hands. So they're scrolling to our Instagram, TikTok, whilst the match is going on. And they're also engaging with other football pages, whether it's football content creators that are tweeting or posting content on socials. So it's like, how can brands leverage that opportunity as well? Or how can football clubs as well leverage that opportunity to keep their fans engaged, knowing that they're watching the match, but they're also tweeting about it. And kind of whether it's expressing frustration, whether it's expressing gratitude or love for a player, how can brands leverage this opportunity as well? Um, so yeah, that was one of the quite interesting insights as well. How can brands very much make it take advantage of this opportunity as well? And also another one is they're just they're buying more into players, and I'm sure a lot of clubs are noticing that as well. Um, is it more like an athlete first approach right now? Um, so yeah, how can clubs very much leverage this opportunity? Um, with making the athletes kind of bigger brands, um, essentially. Interesting. So yeah, go go check that out. Go subscribe on uh, Substack as well. I'll put the link in the description as well. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, don't don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast, and uh, we'll keep these coming. And if you're looking for a roll up right now. 
do head over to our job board at wearediverse.io or sign up to our newsletter as well and we'll make sure you find out about all these wonderful opportunities with our employers but um yeah Shiremi just want to say a big thank you for giving up some time and sharing some great advice man I think this uh, this really hit this one no 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 worries at all and thank you for for having me on I also want to give you your flowers as well man that having listened to a podcast like this whilst in my final year of university would have helped a lot and then also your your organization as well helping young young people like like myself back then get into into roles that they would love and be passionate about and brands that they don't know how to get into like you guys are creating a clear path for these young people which is which is amazing to see so hats off to you man you're doing an amazing job appreciate it awesome all right perfect place to leave it let's leave it there